ask you a question because we're, Jesus was trying to figure out his audience. And what he was trying to figure out was this. Has it sunk in yet? You, you, ever, you ever said that maybe? You know, it's just not sunk in quite yet. Maybe something big time happened in your life. Maybe you got the promotion. Or maybe you lost the job. Or maybe you found out you were going to have a baby. Or maybe you found out that you had the, someone died in your family. And, and someone asked you about it. And you go, well, yeah, I, I, I know that. But it just has not sunk in yet. Maybe you just got married. And someone says, well, what's it like being married? And you say, well, it just hasn't quite sunk in yet. And here's the news. It will never quite sink in, all right? You just know it. And so Jesus says, by the time we get to Mark chapter 4, he notices that there's a lot of people that the gospel's not really sinking in. I mean, they're there, they hear, but they don't hear. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large. The Greek implies there, it's the biggest crowd he's had yet. Jesus is the greatest show on earth, and the crowd is coming and he's not impressed. Then he got into a boat and he sat in it, out on the lake while all the people were along the shore of the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching. Now Jesus is a really good speaker. And a really good speaker can recognize when he's losing his audience. And Jesus knows he may lose his audience. I was reading this week at Scottish universities. The professor is trying to explain something and, and the, the students don't understand it. They begin to shuffle their feet so he'll know we're not getting it. Thank goodness we have carpet in here this morning. But they begin, they begin to shuffle their feet. And Jesus begins to feel the feet shuffling. And he knows it's not getting through. And so he changes his style and he begins to teach him what the Bible calls parables. Now, if you read in this, you'd almost get the idea that Jesus tells the parables so people won't understand. But listen to me, there were really two purposes of the parables, all right? Jesus uses parables to conceal and to reveal, all right? It's to do both. You know, if you're that person, and Jesus tells a parable, what's a parable? It's an analogy. It's a story. It's throwing something normal in life alongside a spiritual truth. What Jesus believes, if you're really interested in going deeper and it's sinking in, you will take that parable and you'll use it to grow closer to God. But Jesus also knows if your heart is hard, you might hear that parable. You don't ask the questions. You don't dig deeper. You just blow it off on the surface and move on. So it could either reveal or it could conceal. And so Jesus tells one of his most famous parables in verse 3. Listen. That's the key word in this passage. Jesus wants people to listen. Listen to me. To really listen. You ever been, maybe your wife telling you something and she says to you, you've not heard a word I just said. Anybody got that? Somebody, somebody obviously it happened this morning, all right? She says, you've not heard a word I said. And, and then maybe you're sharp enough, you go, you said and you verbatim can tell her what she said. You're watching the news, but verbatim you can tell her what she said. Can I ask you guys, does that work with her? Is that really what she's saying? I want you to requote what I said? No, that's just surface. What she's saying is, you didn't really 
listen to what I said. That's what Jesus is doing here. He said to these people, you got to listen. You got to go deeper than just verbatim telling me what I just said. So he says this, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That's Jesus' way of saying, did you hear anything I just said? Now, a couple ideas we're going to look at here today. We're going to look at the seed and we're going to look at the soil. I think the key to this passage is to understand the seed, which is the gospel, okay? The seed in this story is the gospel. This is the metaphor that Jesus is using. Now, Jesus could have used all kinds of other metaphors, but he chooses to use a very unusual one, a seed. There are other biblical metaphors for the Word of God. In the Old Testament, we see the the term, the Word of God, is a hammer. We see the Word of God as a fire. In the New Testament, we even see the Word of God as a sword. But that's not the, the parable that Jesus wants to use. That's not the picture that he wants to give. He wants to give the story of a seed. Now, why a seed? Because it appears small and weak. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't drop a seed and go, bombs away. I mean, you drop a seed, you may never see it. It's little. It appears to be rather small, insignificant, weak. You think, what in the world could a seed do? Its results are slow. They're not immediate. You don't even see it. A seed doesn't come into your life and blast its way in your life. It doesn't hammer its way in your life. It doesn't burn its way into your life. It starts out slow. And Jesus wants us to understand that about the gospel. But it's actually powerful and explosive. That's what a seed is. It's powerful and explosive because a seed has the element of life in it. That's what makes it significant. You see, you could go out this afternoon and you could plant a piece of glass or a piece of metal. And I don't care if you planted it in perfect soil, you watered it and you fertilized it, it would never do anything because it does not have the element of life in it. And so Jesus says, though it looks rather small and insignificant, it's actually powerful and explosive because it has the element of life. The seed of the kingdom is to bring life into your life. You say, well, buddy, I'm a little offended by that because I already have life. Oh, Jesus is not trying to say you don't have life. He's just trying to say you don't have it on the highest level. We speak of life on different levels. We talk about the level of plant life, animal life, human life. They all exist at a different level. They're all sort of conscious at a different level. But if an animal starts living on the level of a plant, we know there's something wrong with the animal. If a human being starts living on the level of an animal, we know there's something wrong. Or even as a plant, as a vegetable, we say sometimes, we know there's something wrong. What what we're saying, they're not fully conscious. They're not experiencing life to the fullest. 
And that's what Jesus is saying. When you plant the seed of the kingdom that has life within it, it will explode into your life to a consciousness that you don't have. Oh, yeah, you're living life. But what Jesus says is, I want you to live it on a higher level. In fact, the word he uses is, I want you to live it on an eternal level. And that's what's so powerful about the Word of God. It could take your life to a whole different level where you are conscious and revealed to you are things you've never seen before. That's what the gospel does. It's powerful. Listen to some passages on the power of the Word of God. James chapter 1 verse 21. Humbly accept the Word planted in you that can save you. 1 Peter 1 verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, that the living, through the living, enduring Word of God. And then listen to Paul in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, literally there, it is the dynamite of God unto salvation. What's he saying? It starts small, it looks insignificant, but if it works in deep enough, it will do incredible things in your life. An older evangelist, G. Campbell Morgan, tells about going to Italy. And when he went to Italy, he went to this grave. And it was a grave that obviously had been there for decades. And it had a, a big, thick, marble slab across the grave that had been put there when the burial had happened. But when he saw it, it was busted up and the slab was actually turned over. And so he asked about it and he found out. What had happened is, when the burial had taken place, inadvertently, an acorn had been dropped into the grave. And slowly but surely, over decades, the acorn had grown. It had pushed itself up. It had gotten bigger and bigger until it began to crack the marble slab. And finally, gets big enough that it turns the slab over and the grave is exposed. Because that's a good picture of the power of the gospel. It works itself in. If it goes deep enough, it begins to turn things over in your life. But it only can do this if it sinks in. It's got to sink in. You've got to push it deeper. You've got to think about it. You've got to reflect about it. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to discuss it. You've got to apply it. That's why I love what we do in so many of our life groups is we take the message and we go, let's go deeper with this thing. What does this mean? I've heard it on a superficial level. Maybe I even like the sermon, but what does it mean for me to reflect on it and to live it out this whole week? That's because, guys, just believing something, just knowing something on surface is not powerful enough. Every survey of Americans say most Americans believe in God. And maybe you do. But if you get in real trouble, if your life has a terrible thing to happen, does your belief fortify you to handle whatever came? Or do you freak out as if you don't believe the promises of God? You see, it's one thing to say, I believe. It's another thing to deeply believe. Many of us, but all of us, I would imagine, would say, we, we believe in the love and forgiveness and grace of God. Incredible concepts. 
But what happens when you fail badly? What happens when you blow it? What happens when Satan begins to attack you and tell you all those bad things about yourself and that you can't change and he can't be different? Do you believe him or do you really believe God? What happens in that middle of the failure? Is it deep enough? Is it real enough? Now, here's the question. Is this just theological, religious, mumbo-jumbo, spiritual theory? Or is it deep enough that it's real? It changes your reality. You live life on a different level. So when something tragic and terrible happens in your life, I'm not saying you're not sad. I'm not saying you're not despondent. But I'm saying you handle it differently than somebody else because you really believe that this is not it. When, when you fail, you don't give up because you believe and you know the love and forgiveness of God. It's deep in you and it changes you. That's powerful. Here's the best illustration of this in Scripture to me. Galatians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter are in a little bit of a fight. You know that? Because Peter has come to town. And Peter's got enough of his old Jewish self in him. And enough pressure from the Judaizing teachers that he comes to town. And the church has a fellowship meal. And Peter refuses to sit with Gentiles. He will only sit with Jewish people. He's an apostle. Paul is hopping mad. And the Bible says, Paul confronts Peter. Now, but here's what I want you to see. Listen to Galatians 2 verse 14, what Paul said to Peter. He said, Peter, you are not living in line with the truth of the gospel. What you saying? What you're doing does not line up with the good news of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, if you understand that Jesus died for everybody, if you understand that God loves everybody, if you understand at the cross all the barriers between Jew and Gentiles were broken down, Peter, don't you remember God revealed that to you? I mean, if you really believe the gospel, ain't no way you can come to church and snob people because they're different than you. No way you can say, I'm not sitting with those guys, because that's not in line with the gospel. That doesn't fit the gospel, Peter. Now, did you, did you listen to that? Listen to what Paul didn't say to him. He did not say to Peter, you know racism's wrong. That'd been true. But that would have been life-changing. He could have given Paul a list of do of Peter a list of do's and don'ts. But he knew there needed to be something more powerful than that. And that is the seed of the gospel. And he's saying, Peter, is the gospel not deep enough in you that it affects the way you treat people? Is it not deep enough in you that you're patient with people, loving and forgiving? You need to live your life in line with the gospel. I can't give you just a bunch of rules about racism. That doesn't affect your heart. That's just your outer person. As many of us, you know what? Our religion has just been a bunch of rules, guys. And I'm, the Bible has rules. Don't get me wrong. But that's not deep enough. I give you a rule about what you ought to do to people and how you ought to treat people, but does it change your heart about those people? 
And, and, and what, what Paul says to Peter is, you're not living in line with the gospel, Peter. It doesn't add up that you say you believe in Jesus, you believe in his resurrection, you believe in his grace, you believe in all this, and then you come to church and you behave like that? Or you go to work and you behave like that? Or you treat your wife like that? It's not in line with the gospel. Because the gospel is the seed that changes everything. And here's what Jesus is saying is, you got to go deeper. Don't just understand what I say on a superficial level. Yeah, there's a God. And he's a forgiving God. And uh, no, no, no. Has it sunk into you so far that it changes your behavior? And see, Jesus understood. That's why he told parables. There were some people, I mean, day some of these folks listening to him are trying to kill him. There are big crowds, but Jesus is not impressed with the crowds because all the crowds want is to see another miracle. And so Jesus changes his teaching technique and says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell these stories, and if you really want in on it, then you're going to ask, and you're going to discuss, and you're going to want to understand what it means. If you're just here to critique me, if you're here just at church today to see the show, well then, you're not getting it. So let's go back to our passage. Now Jesus goes deeper. And he explains what the parable means. Can I ask you this morning? Are you listening? Are you ready to go deeper? You ready to look in the mirror for a second? You can let this seed, you can let this seed get somewhere in your heart. Let's listen. Verse 13. Jesus explains. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path. Where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. I mean, the paths in that day between fields were, were hardened by people walking on them. They were like concrete. And so the seed doesn't go anywhere in them. And the birds are able to snatch it up. Other like seed are sown on rocky places. Guys, that's not soil with a lot of rocks. It's thin soil with a limestone slate below it. It's got, it's got soil, but there's a slate, and it's, it's so thin that it heats up and it grows, but it doesn't stick. Keep reading. When trouble, okay, but since they have no root, let's go back to verse 16. I'm sorry. Other like seeds sown on rocky ground, hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. Man, they're fired up about it. But since they have no root, they, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall. And then still others are like seed sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but listen to this list. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Wow. Look at this just for a moment. What is the soil? The soil is the heart. We understand here that the seed may look insignificant, but it is extremely powerful and explosive in the right soil. What determines whether the seed is powerful and explosive is the soil. And you saw, he gives four different souls, which are four different conditions of the heart. 
We got the hard heart where Satan is able to, it's so hard. I mean, the word is scattered, but it's scattered like on pavement and doesn't even sink in a bit. And Satan just snatches it up. We've got the shallow heart. Oh man, you know, it's got that limestone rock beneath it and it sprouts up and it's fired up. But uh, (laughs) trouble comes and I'm out of there. That's why I've got such a big problem with what's called in America today. You can hear a lot of preachers on TV preach it. The prosperity gospel. Because what the prosperity gospel says, if you really gave your life to Jesus, you're going to be rich and you're going to be healthy and everything's going to go on in your life well. The truth is, trouble comes. And if you bought into that prosperity gospel and the trouble comes, I'm telling you what you can do. You're going to say, out of here. Because that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the promise of God. He says, you accept the word of God. There will be some trouble in your life. And if you've got this shallow heart, I'm telling you what, it may fire up there for a moment, but it can die out. And then there's the crowded heart. You see, there were lazy farmers even in that day. And they would come through the field and they would cut everything down, including the weeds. And they might even burn it off. But you know this if you garden. Or you know this with your grass, even in your yard. If you don't get deep enough to get the weeds out and the roots out, they're going to come back. And that's this heart. The weeds come back. And the seed is there, but it is crowded out by weeds and thorns. Now, did you notice what he called the weeds and thorns? The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desire for other things. Guys, that's us. Has Jesus ever hit it on the head any better than that? We're not anti the gospel, we're not anti the seed. We're here, we're listening. It's getting planted. But it may not work. It may not grow. It may not produce. Why? Because our lives are so stinking crowded. We worry like everybody else. We fret about everything in life. We don't trust God. We've got such an overwhelming desire for wealth. It becomes deceitful. I think if I just bought the new house, if I just bought the new car, if I just had this money, much money in my retirement account, if I just could get to this level of income, then my life would be secure. And so I began to be, you know, obsessed with wealth. And, he's, and you know, I don't say I don't want the seed or I don't want the gospel. It just crowds it out. I'm just, I'm just too busy. And then, man, if that doesn't get you, he said, just other desires. Guys, our problem is not that we don't have desires. Our problem is not that we're not fired up about something. Here's our problem. Our problem is we're fired up about the wrong things. We desire things. There are things in your life that you desire. You go after. You wouldn't miss that that, uh, salary increase. You wouldn't miss that ball game. You wouldn't miss the next fishing tour. You wouldn't miss the next hunting trip. You wouldn't miss the next... you, You desire it. That's all right. But you desire it too much. But you won't think twice about missing Bible class this morning. You won't think twice of not about being involved in a small group where you grow. You wouldn't think twice. That, that, those things can drop because that's not what I really desire. You've got to desire it. Because here's, here's, I think this is the way he's working in our lives like crazy. 
is he's coming in and he's not, he's not getting any of us to reject God. We're, we're not just even the shallow soul. We're just the crowded soul and a crowded heart. And it takes it out. And then he gives one more. I love this one. It's the good heart. It's the good heart. And I love the way he explains it. They hear the gospel. They accept the gospel. And it produces. And the, the numbers Jesus uses here for production, 30, 60, 100 fold, are unheard of. At best, it was 7.5% or maybe 10%. Jesus said 30, 100. I mean, huge production. Because that's the power of the word. You guys, listen to me. In context here, Jesus is seeing all four souls. He's seeing the hard-hearted Pharisees. He's seeing the crowds that get so excited by the miracles but don't really give a flip about what he's saying. He's seen the rich young ruler who loves Jesus and Jesus loves him, but he's crowded out by riches. And then he's seen those few disciples who really want it, who want to listen, who want to go deeper, who say to Jesus, what does this mean in my life? He saw all four. I see all four in this church, don't you? We see every one of these reactions. And here's something we've got to get here. Three out of the four don't make it. I don't know if that's a percentage thing that Jesus is trying to give, but I do think it says something. Here, here, listen to me. Our job is to sow the seed indiscriminately. That's what the sower does. I mean, he goes, I mean, he's spreading it, whether it's on rocky soil, hard soil, weedy soil. Good. I mean, he, he just spreads it. And let me, let me tell you, as you invite people and as you share the gospel, you never know, really. You can't judge the soil by just looking. You, you just spread the seed. That's our job. But listen, there are a lot of folks who aren't going to ever accept your invitation. Or if they do, they might come here and get fired up. They might even be baptized and get real excited. And then trouble comes and they're gone. Or the world comes and it's crowded out. Listen, I want to say this to some of the leadership of this church. I think some of us beat ourselves up way too much about people who fall away. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't go after them. We do. I also know what Jesus said about the one leaving and you leaving the hundred and go for the one. I understand that. But on the other hand, we are foolish if we think that everybody who comes in here and who hears this and even accepts it is going to stay with it. That's not what we're promised here. That's not what this parable tells us. And some of us need to get busy watering the good soil and not be as concerned about the bad soil. Does that that make sense to you? Because there are people, and Jesus says, let me, these people who really want it, you guys come over to the side with me and let me, let, let's go deeper. Because you want it. Because you can't make somebody have something they don't want. And as a church, we ought to work in everything we can to create an environment of love and openness and acceptance where anybody can come and grow. But in the long run, we must recognize that they have a choice in the matter and we cannot predict it or control it. Let me say this this morning. All four soils are here. I mean, if we were to take a soil test this morning, we would look at these again. Wait, let me, can I ask you, which is your heart? That's the real point of this parable. Is where, where is your heart today? I mean, guys, listen. We're 
We're going slow. We're in chapter 4 of the gospel of Jesus Christ as recorded by Mark. The seed's being planted. I'm not saying it's being planted the most effective way or that I'm the great preacher or anything. I'm just saying you are hearing the gospel. Can I ask you what you're doing with it? Is your heart so hard that it just, it just, I mean, you don't, you just blow it off. Is it so shallow that you, maybe you come in here and you get excited for a moment, but by the time you face work on Monday morning, God's out of your picture. Or maybe you've really wanted it, you know, and you've even started to grow, but Satan's come into your life, not by some avert sin, but just almost inconspicuously by just crowding your life till all of a sudden you wake up and you're dead spiritually and you're, the life has been choked out of you. And then I know there, there are hundreds of people here this morning. You're not perfect, you've not, but you've got good soil and you're digging deep and you're wanting to push it in. And when you do, let me tell you, it may take time. Right now, it might not even be so visible. But one day, it's going to explode. Let me show you the best illustration of the Bible of this. John chapter 12, verse 23 and 24, where Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Here's the whole principle. Jesus says, here's what's got to happen. For anything to happen, it's got to plant, it's got to die, and it's got to come back. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus struggling with this. He knows the horrific death. He knows the isolation from the Father. He knows what it's going to be like to suffer, not the agony just of his body, but of his soul. And so he comes to his father, he says, is there any other way for this to happen, for the gospel to explode on this earth? And his loving father says, listen, my son, this life cannot be released into these people unless you become a seed and go into the ground and die and then explode out of the ground. And he did. He did. And my friend, that's the secret of the gospel's power. It's not of some God who came around to boss. It's not a God that looked God who looked so strong. It was a God who actually looked vulnerable and weak and who was crucified, but was planted and was resurrected. And here's what I want you to know today. If you would let that sink into your heart. It will change your heart. You say, buddy, I'm not so sure about my heart right now. Here's the point. If you would clear some things out, and if you would keep pushing the seed deeper, keep putting the seed in, keep listening, keep reading, keep studying, keep seeking the seed of the kingdom, then here's what's going to happen. is It's going to explode. I don't know what the marble slab is on your heart right now. Maybe it's the failure of your past. Maybe it's some other people's failure in your life that hurts you. Maybe it's an addiction you've got in your life. Maybe religion has been a terrible experience to you and you're scared to death of church. But for some reason, there today is a marble slab over your heart. But here's the good news. If you will push this seemingly small, insignificant seed deep enough into your heart, just keep pushing it deeper and deeper and deeper. It will grow. It will crack that slab and it will turn it off your heart. So I ask you this morning, 
I'm asking you, has the gospel sunk in yet? I'm not asking you to hear. I'm not asking you to listen to the sermon. I'm not even asking you, did you take notes? I'm asking you, has it sunk in? Is it sunk in further enough that the Apostle Paul would say, you are living your life in line with the gospel. It's deep enough that it changes your behavior. A bunch of rules hadn't done it for you. You just break the rules. What you need is you need this little bitty seed, this little kernel of truth that God loved you enough to die for you, to be buried for you, to be resurrected, to go deep into your heart enough that it explodes. It cracks that hard slab and it begins to change you into the image of Jesus from the inside out. If you need us to pray for your heart, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?